The great chapter of Ephesians 5 begins with three metaphors using the term walk. Walk in love, that is live your life in love. It starts off walk in love, then the second one is walk in the light, that is in the holiness of Christ, walk in the light. And in our passage today, we begin a third set that talks about walk in wisdom, or it says walk wisely, walk in wisdom. What does that mean? We're going to see together. I'll be reading just three verses from Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is God's holy word. Please be seated. Three crisp commands, starting off with, look carefully, then how you walk. Now, if you're going to look carefully at anything, somebody coming down the road, uh, you're going to look carefully at, uh, see what's wrong over here. I'm in my library. I'm looking carefully for one book. You know, you're going to be attentive to it. God says to you and to me, be attentive to how you are living your life. It is your one and only life. How you use that life matters so very much. So be careful, be thoughtful, be attentive, examine yourself. Socrates, the Greek philosopher, 4th century B.C., famously put it, the unexamined life is not worth living. And that is precisely the point of Ephesians 5. Examine yourselves. You are a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to act like it. You need to live your life, not as unwise people, but as wise people. God doesn't see you as unwise. If you're in Christ, you've got the mind of Christ. You've got the Spirit of God. You're a child of God. And you're wise. You've got wisdom. Live wisely. Be attentive, thoughtful, deliberate, intentional about how you live your life. Don't just drift along, and pretty soon you see you're at the end of your life. I wish I would have done it differently. One of the ways that that I do this is every summer I take some time to uh, come before God with just about every area of my life. There are about 25, 30 areas, and I just uh, pray and listen and think about these areas before God. For example, I bring to him um, my own time with the Lord. I bring him character traits. I, I might say someplace, Lord God, what, what in my character needs to change? What, what, what do you need to speak to me about? And I'll be quiet and, and listen. And, and I will do that for my, my roles as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a friend, uh, exercise. I'll, I'll do it for uh, about every area of my ministry that I'm involved with as a leader, as a preacher, as an intercessor, as a writer, as a, as a discipler, just about every area of my ministry. And I, over, usually over a period of time, period of weeks, each day for some of that time, I will come before God. Lord God, what do I need to know about this? Lord, what, what, uh, what do you want to say to me? And, and I will prayerfully bring it to God. Now for me, the summers work well because ministry cycles for churches are kind of like school cycles. They more start in the fall. For you, maybe it's the end of the year, and maybe you don't do it this way, but certainly God says to us, be thoughtful, be intentional. Don't just drift along. Give thought to every part of your life and how you live. Now, 
How, how do we do that? Uh, here are some things, here are four elements to help us to live wisely rather than unwisely and not drift along. Four elements. The first one is saturate your mind with God's Word. That is, saturate your mind with God's mind. Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will have, make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. The Bible says that if you want to live your life well, successfully as God sees success, prosperously as God sees prosperity, that if you, if you want to do that, there is no other place than to go to God's Word and to fill your mind with God's mind. And over a period of time, you will just more and more think like God thinks, and it will be flowing out of you naturally to live your life in, in, in a good way. If, if you are serious about your relationship with God, this book will be a part of your daily life, that you will find time, you will make time every day. Secondly, to live your life wisely, to walk in wisdom, pray without ceasing. That is, you're always in an attitude of prayer. Lord, guide me about this. Lord, guide me about this thing. Big things and little things. You do what the Bible says in James 1.5. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and without reproach to all, and it will be given to him. You lack wisdom? Sure you do. You want to live wisely? Sure you do. So come to God. Ask God. I've got a big decision over here. And so I, I come to God, I claim this verse. I say, God, you tell me that if I ask for wisdom, you give it to me generously. So by faith, I'm going to believe that this is true and that my eventual decision, you're going to guide me. And I just claim this promise. Pray without ceasing. Pray about small things, big things. They're all kind of small to God, but they're important to us. Thirdly, let the Holy Spirit guide you because you've got God inside you, God the Spirit, Two verses later, three verses later, uh, the, the Bible is going to say, be filled with the Spirit. Now, that's a little bit of unusual imagery. Uh, empty of self, full with God. If you're full of God, you're going to be uh, empowered by God. You're going to be surrendered to God. You're going to depend upon His strength and His wisdom and guidance. Uh, if you want to live your life well, then you've got to get off the throne of your life, give up control and say, God, I want you to guide me in every way with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. Now, those three are, are fairly common for the, these kind of discussions. The fourth one doesn't get enough attention, and that is this. Spend time with wise, godly people. The Bible teaches that if you want to live wisely, then surround yourself with some wise people. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. You want to you walk with wisdom, uh, like God just told us to in Ephesians 5? Then hang out with wise people. Doesn't mean that you're not around non-Christians and, and uh, others at times at work in your neighborhood. In fact, we ought to be, so we want to reach out to our top five. But there ought to be a handful of people in your life, probably your inner circle of folks who have an unusual wisdom. Seek out those people because you will become like them over a period of time, more and more. You want to walk wisely, then find wise people. One of the advantages of getting in a small group, not only is it biblical, not only did 
Jesus do life in a small group. Not only did the early church do life in a small group, but, but they're built-in advantages. You get to, to be with other wise, godly people. It's just part of life. Uh, I, I would encourage you to be in a small group, not just for what you get out of it, but for what you give out, give out that you yourself are an encouragement to others. We have all kinds of groups here, home groups, men's groups, women's groups, young adult groups, serving groups, all kinds of groups, uh, built in a group of wise people to learn from. All righty, church, the passage begins, look carefully how you walk, how you live your life, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, I just gave you four general things to help that process, to live wisely. The Word of God, praying without ceasing, filled with the Spirit, walking with wise people. At this point, the next two verses bore in on specific guidelines for wise living, for walking wisely. So that's what we're going to see. One is make the best use of your time, and the second one, understand the will of God. Make the best use of your time, understand the will of God. 16 is the next one. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So if you want to live your life well, you want to live your life wisely, if you want to um, uh, not waste your life, one of the things to do is to make the best use of your time because the days are evil. The days are evil. Uh, we live in a broken world. We live in a sinful world. There's cancer, floods, earthquakes, sin, betrayal. There's all kind of mess. This is not heaven. That, that the days and, uh, on this earth are evil. They're bad. So you need to be particularly uh, deliberate about using your time well. Because if you waste your time, you waste your life. That's what your life is, made of the time that God gives us each day. So we want to make the best use of the time. Now, it's often said that this word, make the best use of, has the idea of seizing opportunities or redeeming opportunities. It has this mindset that God gives us divine appointments, divine opportunities, and we need to be alert to them and seize them when they come. It may be simple things. It may be a smile or a hug. It may be a listening ear. In fact, a lot of times it'll be a listening ear. But it may be a big thing. You know, God may put some in your heart, it's a big thing, but big or little, redeem the opportunities, seize the opportunities, grab on to the opportunities that God gives you. Make your life count by making the time in your life count. The last two weeks, we've had a golden opportunity for this. As there's been so much uh, obvious need around us of all kinds, and so many of you have been responding to help, love, serve, care, pray, reach out in various ways, but it's not just the aftermath of a hurricane. It's, it's life. It's life that we're always on the alert to seize the opportunities, to redeem the time. Be alert to what God brings into your life. One of the simplest best ways to do this that all of us can do is simply to be quick to pray for people. We've talked about this before, but people in America today, just about everyone doesn't mind you asking them, hey, can I pray for you for something? I was in Walgreens this week. 
Um, I was there early. Nobody else was around. The, the clerk uh, uh, took, care, took care of my, my purchase. And I said, hey, is there anything I could pray for you today? And, and she had something, and she appreciated it. Just about always you'll see a little bit of light in the eyes because people appreciate it, and sometimes they might cry because it, it touches a, a tender place in them. You can do that. I can do that. You, you, you can maybe phrase it this way. If God could do one thing in your life special, what would that be? And, and maybe if you have an opportunity, pray right then. You don't always have that. But be alert. Be quick uh, to pray and to seize opportunities. Now, when it comes to time and making the best use of our time, being humans and earthbound, we struggle with time, don't we? Those of you who are my age already think, man, where did the time go? Uh, if you're in your 30s, you're, maybe you're just beginning to have that. If you're 20s, you think maybe you're going to live forever. It's, it's not quite that way. But what we feel in our humanness, that's uh, time. Um, but yet, as believers, we know that we are not ultimately bound by time, that we are, are creatures of eternity. A.W. Tozer, I think, gives us a good perspective about time. When he wrote this, how completely satisfying to turn from our limitations to a God who has none. Eternal years lie in his heart. For him, time does not pass, it remains. And those who are in Christ share with him all the riches of limitless time and endless years. God never hurries. There are no deadlines against which he must work. Only to know this is to quiet our spirits and to relax our nerves. For those out of Christ, time is a devouring beast. And the non-Christian world, they have no option. If this life is all there is, man, this is just eating away at them. But we're not that way. We can be at peace with it. Uh, we don't have to be scurrying around or worried about how fast time gets. We don't have to be hyper about trying to look 20 if you're not 20. Doesn't hurt to do little things to improve, but, you know, you don't have to be hyper about it. Um, but we can be at peace with it. But we know that in our one lifetime, God's going to give us some opportunities, and we want to seize them. And God put us on this planet to love and to be loved. And so it's going to involve relationships, first of all, relationship with Him, but also relationships with the people around us. All righty, I want to pivot slightly and be exceedingly practical for the next five minutes and give you six principles about using your time well, making the best use of your time. If I could just give you six of them. One, take unhurried time to meet with God every day. If I was going to use my time, my life, wisely, this is where I would start. And so this is where I do start. Every day, whatever else happens to me, I'm going to get along with God with an open Bible and prayer, and I'm going to meet with God. I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing. I'm going to listen. I'm going to call out. I'm going to read and pray through the Bible because that is your greatest privilege as a human being created in the image of God, and it is your most urgent need. Just like Jesus, it was his privilege, and it was his greatest need. I would urge you, if you want to live your life well, whatever else happens in a given day, that you get along with your God who loves you and draw close and draw close. Get your instructions. Secondly, prioritize time with your spouse and kids if you have spouse and kids. How much time depends on your season of life, how old your kids are, uh, season of marriage, all kind of things. 
But here's the point, is that if you've got a spouse and kids, they must have your priority energy and attention. Um, many of you here at Woods Edge are young couples with small children. I think that you've got, got some of the biggest challenges uh, of any of us. If you've got two or three preschoolers and a busy job, maybe a couple of busy jobs, then you are in the crunch years of life. You know, hang in there and, and endure. Uh, do a couple of things to protect your uh, mental, emotional sanity. Um, besides carving out some time being with God, and, and maybe while you are feeding a baby, you got a little New Testament up there, a little iPhone with a New Testament, but also your time with each other. Try to find 10 or 15 minutes a day to connect so that you don't drift apart. That happens too often. 10 or 15 minutes. Maybe when you get home or after dinner, you can go out and take a little family walk. Maybe you got two or three kids. Uh, Gail and I, we, we used to do this um, and we would say to our kids fairly often, hey, for the next 10 or 15 minutes, mom and dad need to talk, so y'all just run on up ahead. And uh, you, you have to at times just carve out a little time to connect with each other so you don't drift apart. A date night once a week. Husbands, be a great thing to do, taking the initiative. Okay, secondly, prioritize time with your spouse and kids if you're married. Thirdly, prioritize your weekly worship with God. It is the tangible expression all through the Bible of the people of God who are worshipers. A tangible way to express God is first in my life because on the first day of the week, I gather with God's people and I worship. Now, um, Jesus did this. He did this. Uh, you, you see that in the New Testament. The early church did this. This is what the people of God do. That's not part of the American culture, even the American Christian culture, where people now go to church about 1.6 times in Bible-believing churches. I know that all of us at times are out of town or, or sick or something like that. We, we, we get that. But if you're not out of town or sick, pre-decide. Already make the decision, I'm going to gather with God's people and worship our God. That's just what God's people do. Many of you do that already. I'm preaching somewhat to the choir because you're here today. But, but prioritize this. If you've got little children, that's how, they don't see into your heart. They don't see your checkbook. But they see if every Sunday morning my parents are going to go worship God. That's how they see that God is not just lip service, but he's real to my parents. Number four, work the appropriate number of hours. Or I should say, put it this way, limit your hours at work. Unless you've got an hourly job, I mean, most of you, you don't. There's a lot of flexibility with your work, and many of us tend to be workaholics, not for good reasons, not because we're so industrious, but for probably some wrong motives because we're trying to prove that we're a somebody. I know I've struggled with that in my life, and I've had to admit that. But, but for some of you, um, you need just to limit your number of hours. After 10 hours for me at work, I start work very early because I'm a natural morning person. But at a certain time, I go home. I don't wait until my work is done or I'd never go home. And so don't, you know, bring out any tired excuses. Set your boundaries. Now, some of you might be on the lazy side. You need to set your boundary on the other side. You know, work, work enough. Okay, two very practical ones. Be alert to wasting time. Friends, with our technology capabilities, we've got great temptations and opportunities to waste a lot of time. You know where mine are? On my iPhone and on my iPad, I've got three or four apps that are all the time calling to me. ESPN, 
the Wall Street Journal, the Houston Chronicle at the top of the list. And, and I could just really hang out on those things too much. Now, you may not struggle with ESPN, the Wall Street Journal, the Houston Chronicle, but maybe for you it's Instagram, Facebook, and online shopping. I, 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 um, I know of one young, wise woman who decided, I'm going to take a six-week break from online shopping because it's gotten a little out of hand. Uh, see see a, de- a husband over there shaking his head? Yeah, yeah. All, all for that one. Friends, we can waste a lot of time. That is to say, we can waste a lot of life on social media and apps of various kinds. Be careful. You know, the last few weeks, you know, we could kind of be just glued to watching the hurricane stories. It's a, there's a place to, you know, kind of keep abreast, but, you know, it, it's not to be mesmerized endless hours watching Irma and Harvey. Be alert to the time wasters in your life. Finally, one more. Use your driving time wisely. I mean, we don't live in New York City. If we lived in New York City, I'd talk about your subway time, perhaps. But we live in Houston, Texas, where the car is king, and most of us spend a lot of time driving. Wow, that is a lot of life if we don't seize that time and make the best use of it. I give you two very simple suggestions. One, uh, seize it for intercession time. I mean, that is the most powerful calling you can do. The best way to love anybody is to to call on the power and the love of God to intervene in their lives. And I hope you've got some intercession lists that God's put on your heart that you regularly pray through. I have people close to me, people close to my work. I've got a number of categories of, of, of you folks who need physical healing, who have cancer, who need jobs, things like that. And that is one opportunity while you're driving around greater Houston to to be doing the work of intercession. Or another uh, simple suggestion is how about listening to the Bible? With uh, 18 hours of listening, you can go through the entire New Testament, I'm, I'm told. 18 hours. Man, every 18 hours of work days for you, you could be going through the New Testament. What a difference that would make in your life and your, uh, your walk with God. By the way, I, wanna, I know there's, there are so many free Bible apps, but let me put one out here that you may not be aware of. It's called the Bible.is. Earlier I prayed for Ken Butgood. Ken's very involved with this organization in Mexico. The, the uh, faith comes by hearing. But Bible.is has a dramatized reading of the New Testament that is superb. It's in all kinds of languages. 18 hours you could go through it. Let me encourage you. Use your time well when you're driving. Okay, that's the first, first point about living wisely. Make the best use of your time. Seize the opportunities. Now, the second one, understand what the will of the Lord is. That's verse 17. Therefore, do not be foolish. The opposite of being wise Do not be unwise, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I don't know a Christian who's not concerned about finding out God's will for their life. You know, parts of God's will is laid out clearly in Scripture with hundreds of commands telling all of us what God's will is. His will is that I be filled with the Spirit, that I do this, I do that. But what about that individual, unique will of God, about career, marriage, college, uh, big purchases, little purchases, all kinds of things. All of us, if we want to please God, all of us, if we want to live life well, uh, we, we, we want to understand the will of the Lord for our lives. 
This is guidance. This is decision-making, and it is huge. We could give, you know, weeks of messages, but let me give you an overview in five minutes. First of all, um, it, it, is, it matters so much. Someone said life is the art of decision-making. Life is a series of decisions, and we are the sum of those decisions. We make decisions, and then those decisions in turn make us. They shape who we are and how our life is going to be. It's so big, and we need God's help. Here are four elements about decision-making in the will of God, about guidance. First, the Bible. I go again to the Bible. I start with the Bible. The more you saturate yourself in this book, the more likely you're going to make biblical decisions when it comes to the will of God because that's just going to be permeating you. Your blood's just going to kind of flow biblically. It's just going to, that's who you are more and more. Secondly, prayer, as we are continually praying, Lord, guide me about this. Lord, I'm not sure what to do about this. Lord, I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. As we saw earlier in James 1.5, but if anyone lacks wisdom, that's us. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and without reproach to all, and it will be given to him. So, and I want to claim that one. Thirdly, Counsel from wise friends. These are similar as the ones we saw earlier about wise living. Counsel from wise friends. Do you know there are specific proverbs that say wise people get counsel from their friends? One example, Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Time, or several times in the Proverbs, God tells you, you want to live wisely? You want to understand how you should live, decisions you should make? then part of that is to have some wise friends in your life, and you go to them and let them speak into your life. You've got ultimate responsibility before God. You don't give them your responsibility, but you get counsel. You get, again, small groups, just built-in opportunity for that. All right, the fourth one. The first three are pretty common, pretty standard in Christian circles, but depending on your background, you haven't practiced the fourth one. Some of you have. And that is this, listening prayer. That is, part of this is to do what people throughout the Scripture do. They, 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 they look to God for leadings, impressions, images, words. Lord God, what do you want? It's David making a decision uh, in battle and, and, and him twice in a row saying, and David inquired of the Lord what they should do. This is inquiring of the Lord. Lord God, Lord, I'm not sure about this. Lord God, what do I do here? What do you want me to do? And then you're quiet and just see if he puts something on your heart. And um, uh, all through the Bible, God leads his people in specific ways. Genesis through Revelation. And the book, the Bible is not a book of exceptions. It's a book of examples. And he is speaking to us and telling us that this is part of his leading. The challenge for many of us is that we don't have enough silence and solitude to hear the still small voice of God because we either got earphones on or the radio on in the car or something. We need some silence and solitude because God's not in a hurry. Also, at times we want that answer now. God's not in a hurry. He may want us to keep listening, keep asking, keep seeking. Let me give you a little example about that. Um, there's a uh, well-known ethicist by the name of John Cavanaugh who, back when Mother Teresa was alive, 
He was at a midpoint of his career, wanted to know God's will for the rest of his life. He travels halfway around the world to Mother Teresa's home for the dying in Calcutta, India. First morning there, he's going to spend three months there just hanging out with Mother Teresa, and he wants her counsel, which is a good thing. Well, first day, she asked him, what can I do for you? And he said, I'd like for you to pray for me. And so she asked, you know, well, what can I pray for you? And she said, would you pray that I have clarity? And I'm sure he explained that I need clarity about what to do with the rest of my life. And she kind of laughed at him and and said, no, I will not do that. I'm not going to pray that you have clarity. He's taken aback. Why not? And he said, "Uh, you know, clarity is the first thing you want and the last thing you need. What you need really is trust. I will pray that you have trust. And he uh, uh, protested and said, you seem to always have clarity. And she kind of laughed and said, I never have clarity. What I've got is trust. Now, what that, the point of sharing that example is this. We want to know the will of God yesterday, don't we? All of you out there with any big decision at all, I mean, you want it now. God's not so much about now always, because the more we seek Him, the more we wait upon Him, the more we call out to Him, the more we listen to Him, God does things in our heart and our soul that don't happen any other way. He's building trust. We want clarity. He's building trust. Now, Mother Teresa overstated the matter a little bit, because at some point we need clarity to get the, enough to act and get the will of God. But usually, it's first of all about learning faith and learning trust. So uh, keep seeking. Keep listening. And by the way, when it comes to listening prayer, I, I encourage you to have some humility. It, you know, some folks are just awfully dogmatic. You know, this is what God said to me. Um, you know, maybe try, uh, you know, this is what I think I'm hearing from God. I believe this is what God's saying to me. I mean, a little bit of humility. Okay, what have we seen, church, in a very practical passage? Uh, three things. The broadest one is about understanding, uh, about wise living. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Two specific principles make the best use of your time. Seize the opportunities that God has given you. And secondly, understand the will of God. Now, church, I don't know what is going on in your heart right now about uh, what we've seen from the Word of God. But every time we, we're exposed to the Word of God, the ball is in your court, and you've got to hit it back. That is, you've got to obey. Let's practice some listening prayer right now and ask God, Lord, what is it you want me to hit back? What is it that you're speaking to me specifically from this passage? Close your eyes, please. Let me just pray over you. Lord God, would you block out every voice except your voice? Lord God, we want to hear from you and obey you. And so, Lord God, we just ask you now, Lord, what what is it for each one of us that you're particularly putting on my heart for me to obey? Just put it on my heart right now, Lord. Now, if... uh, a word, an image came to mind, an impression, a leading, then that is probably God's answer to prayer. If nothing came to your mind, that's okay. That Something always doesn't come to my mind. 
uh, keep asking, keep listening. Uh, Lord God, thank you that, that you want us to live our lives well and make our lives count. Help us, Lord. Help us because we're your kids. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.